If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and game writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode, I spoke to Kieran Holmes Darby, co-founder and chief gaming officer at XL Esports, one of the biggest British esports organizations. They are also one of the 10 founding partners of the LEC, Europe's most watched esports league. Kieran told me about XL Esports' huge growth, from a conversation in a pub to 100,000 followers on Twitter and one of the biggest esports organizations in Britain with a massive global presence. We also talked about their early days with Call of Duty, their current League of Legends esports offering, and moving into Fortnite with their signing of Fortnite prodigy Jaden Wolfie's Ashman, the youngest gamer ever to earn 1 million in esports winnings. We also discussed XL Esports' big plans for the future, how the esports industry has changed since their inception, and looking ahead to the future of esports. Enjoy! officer at XL Esports. Thank you for coming on, Kieran. Pleasure to be here. So just to start off with, really, um, just thoughts and what you're all about. XL um, is a company that was started by my brother and I in late 2014 for a passion project. We're both big gamers and and creating uh, an esports team was, was something we thought would be fun to do. And it was never really supposed to be a career, but over the past five years, it's kind of exploded as the uh, as the industry um, has exploded. Um, so today we are one of the UK's leading gaming and esports entertainment brands um, that houses uh, an esports team in a game called League of Legends um, and Fortnite, which is probably a game that is, is more widely known um, but we, we have competed in all manner of different uh, game titles and esports uh, across the years um, and done lots of you know content creation etc uh, along the way yeah so just how big are XL esports and how much have you grown over the past six years after our first event just in 2015 I think we had 500 followers on Twitter and we felt like that was a massive success at the time um, and now we sit over 100,000 followers on Twitter so it's been quite a it's been quite a growth curve um, over the past five years and it's just been a been a super exciting journey to be a part of to be honest so it was you and your brother wasn't it who founded XL Esports together is that something that was in the pipeline for a while or was it a spur of the moment thing or what what was the situation there it was in the pipeline. It was something we discussed. You know, we we were we were gamers. We we competed in in very very small tournaments, um, and so we knew about the kind of competitive gaming industry, um, now dubbed, of course, the the esports industry. And, and we kind of looked into it in the UK, and we saw that there wasn't a whole lot going on, to be honest, and that there weren't exactly esports teams um, out there that were doing things we felt in in the right way at least in the UK it was it was bigger in you know North America and um, Southeast Asia and, and places like that but nothing really going on in um, 
in the UK. So then uh, after a conversation over a pint in a pub, which is obviously how all good um, ideas come to fruition, we were we we kind of just said, well, look, let's go for it. And and usually I'm the more I'm the more bull in the china shop of the brothers. Um, but it was actually Joel who who said, you know, look let's do this um and you know we then we went away we came up with a name we created a twitter account and that was you know that was basically it we um we funded the the company initially um from some of joel's savings he was working as a management consultant at the time um so we funded it from his savings and i also got a got a grant from my university an entrepreneurial grant um to go and set this thing up so we kind of funded it off our own backs initially um and then, uh, and yeah, grew it, grew it, grew it uh, year on year, I suppose. And who was the first player that you signed to your organisation, or was that a long time in the making? Uh, we signed a, a Call of Duty team, actually, a full team that needed um, that, that, that were, were a decent team, but they didn't have any uh, brand to play under. I think we, I think we agreed to fund half of their team ticket to the first events, the kind of entry fee, if you like, um, for the for the first event. That was kind of all we all we fronted to get them, and we brought them, you know, uh, hoodies to wear with our branding on, etc. Um, I think they came top 12 out of about 64 teams there. And we thought that was that was a pretty good success. How did you adapt to a completely different role, if you like? All of a sudden, you're, you're working with esports teams, different organizations, different uh, games, I suppose. How did you kind of adapt from going from being at university and studying? Was it law you were studying before? I was supposed to be a lawyer. I was um, studying law at university, and that was my uh, that was my corporate career that I was supposed to lead. Um, but I but I accidentally got sidetracked by by my side project, which was Excel, um, which which eventually became my career. So, was League of Legends your first real input into your own your own team with the Excel branding? Was that the first real step into the esports world? I mean, we we did a lot in the kind of uh, you know amateur to semi pro levels for for many years. Um, we actually then broke into the pro level with a, with a Call of Duty team. That was actually our first experience of working amongst some of the biggest brands in Europe. Um, we were in the Call of Duty Pro League, um, and that that was yeah that was our our kind of biggest step forwards. We um, you know lots of exposure, um, lot you. Know, the ability to get um, monetary sponsorships, etc. That was our first um, step into. Oh, actually, you know, this could this could be a business. Um, this this might actually work. Um, that was the first step. But but the life changing moment was very much um, entering the League of Legends European Championship, which is you know our or the LEC, our flagship LEC team today is you know that was our life-changing moment i suppose breaking into that um circuit because we are amongst you know the biggest brands in europe um we are the only ones you know flying the uk flag in in that uh, competition and i think that was when we were able to get significant amount of investment and you know really sit down and build a five-year business model that made sense um so yeah that was that was the life-changing moment i suppose did you always have league of legends in your mind for the the game the esport that you wanted to pursue or was there other options on the table for you constantly assessing all game titles to be honest with you but if you know just based on live hours watched purely on you know streaming platforms the big two are league of legends and fortnite and um, so regardless of kind of talking about the esports ecosystems etc around those games i suppose what, what everyone has to realize is every game title every esport is completely different you know the catch-all term esports doesn't really work because every game title is set up by the publisher in a in a completely different way 
you know, League of Legends and Fortnite were the big two. So it makes sense that we're doing those two, um, but they couldn't be more different in the way they're set up and the way that we have to approach them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we always, you, you, know, you couldn't ignore, if you're part of the esports industry, you can't ignore League of Legends. It's strange, isn't it? I mean, when you look at sport in general, there's so many obviously different sports, football, tennis, golf, cricket, but esports all tend to be lumped under one one name, if you like, whereas all the esports, like you said, they're completely different, as different as football and cricket are, I suppose, in terms of how they work, what the objectives of the game are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you're essentially talking about, because you, you you would never get golf, football and rugby regulated by the same board, right? Or the same body. They're completely different. They're regulated in different ways. They're commercialized in different ways. You know, that's exactly the same in esports. You couldn't get two game titles being regulated realistically under the same branch. I mean, yes, there are some game publishers that publish multiple games and maybe they can regulate more games, you know, all the game titles they own. I suppose that that's the biggest difference in esports to um, to traditional sports is that the game titles are owned. You know, no one theoretically owns football, um, but someone does own League of Legends. You know, Riot Games they own that game and therefore they regulate that game. Um, but they don't own Fortnite, so Fortnite will never be regulated in the same way as League of Legends. It's interesting, isn't it, where the esports industry will go over the kind of next few years and whether whether we'll see kind of um, that change over the next decade or so. But I just wanted to talk to you about the industry in general since you've been involved in it. How much has it grown since um, you started in 2014? crazy it's absolutely crazy um how it's how it's grown over over the, the five years uh, worldwide in the uk as well and, and europe but but worldwide the it, it's just it we're at that stage where we went through the kind of um professional uh, professionalism stage you know everyone was professionalizing what they were doing it was actually becoming real business over the past five years i think the previous five years was just fueled by passion you know everyone doing it purely for the love of it um the past five years have been okay let's start to commercialize it let's start to create jobs for people let's start to um you know make make this a business and now we're getting into the stage where you know, the barriers to entry are quite high. You can't just spin up an esports team like we did five years ago and, and enter the big leagues. Um, the barriers to entry require a lot of investment to to get to, to kind of where we're at now. Um, so now it's about, okay, we're in the big leagues. How do we create, um, you know, a power brand? How do we how do we create a brand that um, surpasses just what we're doing in esports and actually stands for something, you know, is, is part of a gaming uh, culture movement um, in the UK, but also abroad. You know, we want, we want to be celebrated by fans worldwide um, as well as fans at home. When you speak to people and you explain what you do, that you're a co-founder and chief gaming officer at an esports organization, how different is the response now to what it was six years ago? It's strange. You know, even when I have to explain my email address um, and it's got esports in it and people can't, you know, it's like esports. But then sometimes on the phone now you get people going, oh, esports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what that is. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a different um it's a different world that we're in now. People, esports has had a lot of mainstream attention. Um, you know, our Fortnite player, um, Wolfie's Jaden. He he's obviously had a lot of mainstream press. He's been on Good Morning Britain, you know, a few times, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he he has that mainstream draw, um, and I think it's from games like Fortnite that the people are starting to understand that esports is um, is a big deal, um, and it's starting to get that that mainstream press. But amongst the 
you know, amongst the gaming community, it's the most uh, mainstream underground thing ever. You know, that the, the viewership figures are huge. Um, so it's not really fair to call it underground anymore because amongst the, uh, you know, the gaming community, which, yes, are much younger than the, the mainstream, if you like, um, it is big. It already is mainstream in, in that community. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we will start to see more mainstream attention for gaming and esports, but we don't necessarily need it to be honest, because if you just think, you know, from a demographics point of view, our current audience are going to, are going to get old. They're going to have kids. Their kids are going to be brought up with, you know, um, gaming as a, as, as a hobby. Um, and you know, I think our audience will just grow naturally in that way. Let's talk about Jaden for a second because his story is incredible. After his placement at the Fortnite World Cup um, last year, Jaden became the youngest gamer to win $1 million in esports earnings when um, he was only 15 then. And he's currently the highest earner in UK esports history, which is just incredible for someone of that age to have, have won that much money in esports. It's, it's a massive thing and it's a massive step forward for the industry. How big was that Fortnite? World Cup last year for esports. The Fortnite esports ecosystem is actually very immature in the way it's kind of set up. It's very, um, it's very sort of old school esports. But I suppose what what I think is um, is fair is, and, and and I suppose what I respect Epic Games for is, you know, their their esports is so different to League of Legends. It's you know, it's a hundred people dropping onto a map and one person comes out the winner. You know, it's very difficult to create um, an ecosystem that you know. Uh, is is easy for teams to operate within because it's all about the individuals really so they have to set it up in a very very different way and i think i respect uh, them for, for how they've set it up now morally whether i agree with throwing that much money at a young kid is you know that's that's a, it's another conversation but at the end of the day what it did was it threw fortnite esports right to the forefront of everyone's mind it made it a tier one esport and it made Jaden what he is today which is a, an absolute superstar um what i what i tend to focus on more with Jaden is not how much money he's won but just how talented he is i mean he's insanely talented he's he's a lovely kid and also you know he's brilliant he's got a brilliant personality for content etc he's uh, he's an absolute superstar and he deserves to be in the position he is today and he deserves to be celebrated because of his talent really I think that's what the esports has still got some work with in terms of the general public and some people's perception is that these people playing games there's no skill involved but you can clearly see that these players are the absolute best in terms of what they do it's very similar to you know you get comments saying, why are we going to watch people playing games? But it's because they've got a skill. It's because they're the best in the world at what they do. It's the same reason we watch football, to see the best players in the world. It's the same reason why we watch uh, top-tier sport. So it's it's only natural for you to want to sign the, one of the best Fortnite players in the world in, in Jaden to your organisation. Yeah, I mean, I, I got that question while sat at a rugby match talking to a potential commercial partner. You know, why would anyone watch someone play video games? And I'm like, well, why are we here right now watching, <laughs> watching a rugby match? It was almost baffling that they even asked the question, but I suppose it's, yeah, people haven't made that connection yet. I mean, that's the bit that I, I you know, I think is not, is not told well in, in the mainstream and I think should be is is actually just that level of skill and that level of talent that these guys possess. It's not it's not a, you know, yes, they do have to play a lot of the video game to get good at it. There's no doubt about that. It's the same with anything. You've got to do something a lot in order to, to get good at it. Um, but they also have a, a natural uh, ability and a natural talent, much like, you know, you could play football as much as you wanted. You'd never be messy. Um, it, it's, they have this natural ability. I mean, I, I sat, 
behind Jaden recently and just watched him for a bit play. And it's just, it's mind boggling. It's absolutely insane how, how, quickly he's able to process information and make split second decisions that you know could change the outcome of the game um it's it's super impressive to be honest obviously Jaden proved last year that he's he's one of the best Fortnite players in the world but what else other than his skill impressed you and, and made you want to, him to be part of your organization really good head on his shoulders um for for a young kid he's 16 now you know he's gonna be 17 and and driving soon so he's, he's becoming a young man in uh, you know uh, you know before his time he's he's got a super good head on his shoulders now you know working with a with a young guy that um you know that has won all that money is is not it's not a simple task i can tell you and you know he'll he'll own up to that himself it's he's he's sometimes not the easiest to uh to work with but he's got such a good head on his shoulders and he's got such a good personality that um it makes it all worth it and you know he deserves all the success that, that he's got and, and i hope that he continues to achieve success and I think one of the biggest reasons that he he wanted to join Excel and and one of the things that was kind of in our sales pitch if you want to if you want to say it like that was about prolonging his career and about helping him build a healthy lifestyle outside of the game so that he can continue to compete inside the game um, I think he was really drawn to that because he wants to have a you know a long healthy career um, and I don't think anyone's really focusing on that at the moment and whereas whereas we are is that one of the things that's really changed since you've been involved in esports? That we're seeing these new celebrities and role models, like individual personalities, rather than a team. Uh, and we're seeing that uh, arguably with football as well, where young fans are focusing on on players. For example, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, Mohamed Salah, instead of the actual teams themselves. Is is that is has that come from esports, or is just is just that how how esports and sport is evolving? entertainment in general is evolving and I think how you know people are being marketed etc and commercialized and and whatnot you know um, in in the in the Pepsi ads you don't see Liverpool Barcelona Real Madrid you see you know Messi Salah and Ronaldo right so I think it's just how people are being marketed and I think it's it's fine I don't think it massively you know harms the the team's business etc you just have to be more clever about how you market your brand and how you grow your brand as well as growing the the personal brands of of your players which is also super important and also part of um you know our strategy is is to make Jaden an absolute superstar in his own right um but obviously yeah you you want to tie your brand to that as much as possible and why is Fortnite going to be so important for your organization moving forward in terms of your long-term growth you know, when you introduce me as the chief gaming officer, people are like, you know, what is that? What does that even mean? Um, essentially, you can see chief gaming officer as like chief product officer in in other businesses. Essentially, gaming is our is our key asset. It's our key product. Our teams, you know, what we do in different game titles, that's our our key asset, um, and that. You know, when we expand into different game titles, it's super important for our growth. That's that's the way we get different eyeballs. Because again, going back to the conversation around how every esport is different, a, a Fortnite fan is is not a League of Legends fan. You know, they're they're a completely different um, person. They're a completely, you know, they're maybe not a completely different demographic, but they're certainly a different uh, you know a different person. Um, and we have to market ourselves in different ways to those different groups of people. So, you know, opening up that fortnight world for us is massive for the the, the uh, growth of the brand. But also, there are other game titles that we're not, um, you know, participating in or activating within at the moment that we need to look at 
doing if we want to you know, grow to where we want to grow to. So, you know, we've got the big two. Um, we need to we need to sweat those assets as much as possible and, and market as much as possible within those, you know, within League of Legends, within, within Fortnite. But that's not it for us. You know, we want to be a a gaming culture brand that kind of surpasses any one game, you know, any one game title um, and is celebrated by gamers, you know, worldwide, but especially in the UK. What other esports are you keeping your eye on then in terms of future? I know it might be a bit early, you've just signed your first ever Fortnite player, but what other esports impress you and and what are your kind of plans for the future, do you think? I can't really speak about any specific games that we're looking at, obviously, in terms of um, expansion opportunities. But what I can say is the, the way we do this is we look at game titles um, and their growth over, you know, over a set period of time and then we also look at how those game titles are set up from an esports ecosystem perspective and whether there is an opportunity um so once we've got to that point and we go okay we love the game title it's got loads of viewership it's growing year on year um we look at the esports ecosystem we go okay there's 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 an opportunity for us to get involved and then we look actually in, you know, inside the esports ecosystem, are there any teams? Are there any players that we want to pick up? You know, so for Fortnite, we went okay, huge game. It's grown um, year on year since its release. Um, the esports ecosystem is difficult to navigate, but there might be the potential to pick up a you know one player um, and activate through that one player. And then when we looked closer, Jaden happened to be a free agent, and you know the brand fit was perfect. You know, best British player, best British brand. You know, it was just a, it was a perfect fit, and so we thought this is a no brainer. You know, let's let's talk about another title like um, Valorant at the moment, which is a new um, a new tactical shooter game released by Riot Games. It's gaining huge market share, and it's it's obviously a title that every gaming and esports organization has their eye on right now. Um, but for us, we need to see more data. We need to see more growth because you know we see it's got a massive market share now. But there's nothing to suggest that that trajectory will will continue so we need to keep our eye on it and keep watching it but it, we haven't got enough data at the moment to say that you know we want to build a uh, a business model around it so if you're going to move into a, a, an esport another esport you want to be sure that it's the right thing and it, it suits you and you're going to be able to do it right i suppose in terms of long term it's no good just rushing into it and signing the first player that you see and thinking okay this is this is going to be our new esport that we're focusing on i suppose you've got to do a lot of research in terms of where's the esport going you know what is the future for it and all that kind of stuff there are ways you can do obviously softer touch activations in other game titles like you know a game title like uh, I don't know FIFA right you, you don't necessarily need a, a gamer or a you know professional um, esports player in that title in order to activate around it you've seen recently they've done a lot of esports activations actually with some of the traditional sports players you know same with F1 they've done some races where some of the um, actual F1 drivers have, have raced in, in an esports tournament um that's a cool activation that has you know nothing to do with uh, entering uh, you know new professional gamers but you're still activating within that game title so there are ways you can do that soft to touch but generally if you're going to um get, you know pick up a team or pick up a player in in that game title you you we don't do anything um in halves you know we if we're going to do something we're going to do it properly and it's going to be a two three year business plan um so that's yeah that's the way we look at Fortnite and that's why we got involved just want to go back to Jaden just for a second because it's right that we see beyond the kind of stereotypes of gaming and think of these these players as athletes e-athletes digital athletes whatever you you want to you want to call them because at XL you have sleep schedules nutrition exercise programs everything to go with the athletes to make them as 
you know, on top of their game as possible, on on and off games. Just how much has that changed since you've been at Excel? Whether you use the word athletes or or not is kind of kind of up to you. I I, I generally steer away from it just because it's not worth uh, the backlash of, of using using the word. But essentially, these guys are professionals, right? These professional esports players they have a discipline which they're extremely talented at. But in order to consistently perform at an elite level, which this is elite performance, don't don't you know? Let's not hide behind that. This is elite performance, and it needs to be consistent elite performance. In order to do that, you need to take care of your sleep schedule you need to take care of your nutrition your nutrition your brain needs to work properly um you need to be fit and healthy you know all those things are are definitely needed i mean you know i think um i try and think to some other sports where people are you know called athletes where there's not there's not maybe the physical um uh, you know, requirement on, you know, such as a, a marathon runner, you know, your, your darts, your snookers of the world, etc. You know, these, these people, they, they have to perform at an elite level consistently. Um, they're sometimes referred to as athletes, sometimes not, but they would certainly benefit from a strong sleep schedule, being fit and healthy, you know, having good nutrition, um, no doubt about it. Um, I think that's that's super important, and and we clearly believe that and internalise that, and it's part of our our philosophy. And with all of our our teams and our individual players, we make sure they have good sleep schedules. We make sure um, they're eating the right stuff. We make sure that they're hydrated, um, you know, throughout the day. We make sure um, that they're exercising and they're doing the right exercises for them. And um, so everything is personalised. That's that's super important for us. How important is it as well to educate your players about the possible negative aspects that come with gaming in terms of the comments that you get? Where obviously, streamers, it's come into the conversation a lot more in, re- in recent months. How important is it that you kind of make them aware of that and, and give them tools to deal with that if possible? Obviously, we're focused on uh, promoting the the benefits of gaming more than highlighting the negatives at this point. Because to be honest, the the mainstream does a good enough job of highlighting the negatives anyway, and and I think that no one is out there actually highlighting the the positives of gaming and how it you know positively affects you know even kids how they can learn leadership skills, how they can learn you know their cognitive processing skills can get better, etc. You know, gaming has a lot of benefits um it's also a very very sociable activity um people people think it's very antisocial but actually instead of you know hanging out with just the kids in your village you can hang out with people on the other side of the world right through gaming which i think is amazing and i think it opens up people's uh, minds to to what being sociable is and and you know then these people go and meet up at gaming conventions and they hang out in person and you know i think it's, it's wonderful i think gaming has so many benefits i i prefer to highlight those however i also don't think we should shy away or hide behind the the negative areas and how you know um any any, doing anything too much is is a negative, right? If if all you do uh, is is gaming, that is not healthy. Um, you you need balance in life. Um, you know, you, you need balance in anything you do. But I also don't think that gaming in in and of itself is a negative hobby. Of course, I think it's actually a very very positive hobby. So there are negative sides, and we shouldn't shy away from them. We should talk about them. Um, but I, you know, I I think we don't highlight the positives enough. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that esports and gaming is it's it's a really healthy and it's it's fun, right? It's it's 
it's what you do to relax. It's what you do to, um, you know, in your leisure time. That's what it's for. It's it's supposed to be fun. And um, I think what lockdown, especially in the UK, has done in terms of the audience and people coming into the mainstream is, especially younger people, this is the way they socialise now. This is a new normal thing. Obviously, it can't replace, um, you know, face-to-face contact. But in what we've had over the last couple of months for everyone, it's been really difficult. But that ability to socialise while playing games has been like a godsend almost for the last few months. 100%. I mean, it's how, how you know, it's it's quite funny because really my lifestyle's not not massively changed. Uh, you know, now we're in the period where we can at least go outside. My lifestyle is very, very similar because I do socialize with a lot of people around the country, around the world via gaming. Um, I've always kept in contact with my brother, for instance, via gaming. You know, when we were both at opposite ends of the country at university, we wouldn't pick up the phone and chat. We'd say, hey, do you want to hop on uh, on on whatever platform it was to to chat and play x y z game that was how we kind of bonded and stayed connected and it's funny that you know even people like my girlfriend who's who's not a gamer at all she will now you know you give give her brother a, a call and play pokemon or whatever it is that they're playing together and that's how they now stay connected and i think that that is you know i do think lockdown has shed a light on those positives sides of, of, of gaming and, and the gaming community and how sociable it can be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also, again, it's balanced. It doesn't replace face-to-face contact. It doesn't replace going to the, the pub with your friends. You know, it doesn't replace that. It's just another, another sociable activity. What are your favorite games to play then? What do you play at home? Generally, when we get involved heavily in an esport, um, you know, my my hobbies become my work, and and outside of work hours, I'm then like, oh, maybe I should play League of Legends, maybe I should play Fortnite, um, and and really try and sort of understand these games a bit better. Um, so I play, yeah, I play a lot of a lot of League. I say a lot. I don't get enough time to play a lot of League. I'd like to play a lot of League, <laughs> but um, yeah, I play I play that, and then uh, World of Warcraft is a game that has always been with me throughout my life, and um, and and yeah, get some of my attention every now and again. It certainly has got more of my attention during lockdown. Anyway. You've got a perfect setup though haven't you here you've got some of the best players in the world who can coach you and help you get better and you've got you've got that set up haven't you i would love them to to give me some one-on-one coaching but they've they've got better things to be doing with their time (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they have i'm sure they have um have you hopped on a game with them every so often do you do you just want to see how good they are some because with with gaming if you obviously you sometimes you watch uh, streams of of tournaments and things and you don't actually realize how good they are until you come up against someone who's who's better than you sometimes so have you ever had that experience with some of your players yes they're absolutely insane it's actually completely completely mind blowing when I, when I watch some of our, our pros play let me let me give you an example of a, of, of a time where it's it's so obviously mind-blowing we we used to be uh, involved in the uh, professional rocket league scene um, the RLCS now if people don't know what rocket league is it's essentially a, a car game um, where it's literally remote control cars and a bo- and a ball it's like remote control cars meets football your car basically needs to hit the ball into another goal very very simple game very simple to watch very simple to understand um, we took four of uh, the XL staff teams, people like myself, you know, gamers, but not, not professionals um, who had played a, you know, a fair bit of rocket league. We'd, we'd put some time into it. We took four of us and we played against one of our, 
Rocket League pros at the time, um, he was only allowed to drive backwards in the game. So he had to do everything backwards to what he normally does. Um, and we were allowed to play normally. And I think the game ended 14 goals to nil to him. Um, and that was at the point you go, okay, this is just stupid at this point. <laughs> this is Whoa. this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you can handicap them as much as you want. They're still going to be insane. That is incredible. I mean, it's, I mean, when you think about it, it's like um, your kind of five-a-side team rocking up and playing a professional football team, isn't it? It's the same thing. When you actually think about it, I mean, it's not that surprising, is it? These these guys are the best in the world at what they do. So it's not a surprise, but I suppose when you're actually in that game and you're seeing it in front of your eyes, I suppose that, that can be a big shock also brilliant is that we you know we are able um to do community nights with with our gaming community where you do get the chance to play you know a silly mess around game with one of our professional league of legends players for instance um you would never get the opportunity to play on a -a five-a-side pitch with Messi. you know that would never ever be something that you could dream of doing but we do have that ability to do that with our players which i think is really cool did you ever fancy yourself in your early days as a an esports player in any particular game, or was that was that never on the cards? I mean, I didn't I didn't uh, stumble across this industry by accident. You know, I, I wanted to be a, a a competitive Call of Duty player. That was the game that I grew up with. That was the game I you know played a lot. Um, don't play it as much anymore, but it was a game that I started to compete in. Um, it then you know transpired. I then competed in Halo, Gears of War, all of these kind of um, shooters were, were kind of where I I thrived and I loved playing them and I thought I was amazing at them. Uh, but I soon realised I wasn't. I wasn't and I was nowhere near the level I needed to be. So I thought, okay, we'll create a team instead. <laughs> well, um, you've got so much experience. Obviously, you were a player before. You founded your own organisation and you you now manage some of the best esports players in the world. To any players out there who want to be esports players in the future and who, who, who think they've got the skill to be an, a professional esports player what would your advice be to them yeah, I mean, I think if you if you are genuinely trying to go pro, you, you've got to be serious about it. You have got to put time in. You've got to be serious about how you improve. You know, you've got to have a, a structure of, you know, writing down notes from every single game you play on how you can improve and how you can get better. And, and you've got to be serious about it. Um, you've also got to live a balanced life. Like if you're going through school or something, you need to focus on that as well and make sure that um, your gaming doesn't take over your your whole life. You can, you can certainly do both. You know, I know of many pros who have... have you know, become pros after going through university or something like that. You know, um, you've got it. You've got to focus on your life in in general, but be serious about it if you if you are trying to improve. But also recognize, and this is the element of, of of realism. Like you know, have your dream, shoot for shoot for the stars. But at the end of the day, there are there are 50 professional league of legends players in Europe and there are a hundred million people that play that game per month. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it, you know, it's not easy to wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a professional gamer. These guys are, are silly talented and, and they're the best at what they do. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, that people can't get there, but you just need to also add an element of realism as well as uh, be serious about doing it. For every kind of um, player that thinks they're good, um, there's probably not a lot of people out there who've, who've got that kind of ability. But, I mean, we had Ryan Pessoa on last week, um, professional FIFA player at Man City. Ryan used to play on XL, so I know him very well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he told us about how 
he obviously used to smash his mates at FIFA and anyone who kind of smashes their mates at FIFA when they're younger, they they might think they've got the ability to be a pro, but he accidentally qualified for his first event and it was a complete shock to him. I'm just thinking that there might be people out there who, who are smashing their mates and they think maybe I've got what it takes to, to be a professional player, but I suppose it, it takes more than just the skill, doesn't it? It's also the mentality side of things as well. It's like being a professional or anything and dedicating the, the the time to it. Yeah, to be honest, it all starts with people smashing their mates. Like, don't get me wrong, everyone, every professional esports player has kind of discovered that they're good by initially smashing their mates and being better than everyone at school or whatever. Um, but then you've got to go to the next level and you've got to test yourself against that next breed, basically everyone who smashes their mates and everyone who's, who's the best in their school. Um, and you've got to keep kind of climbing those ranks. There are a lot of in-game... Um, indicators and in-game ranking systems which allow you to see kind of where you you sit on the scale in-game and then you've got to go and compete in tournaments I mean I had a friend at school who who's definitely the best FIFA player in, in our school and, and our, the best FIFA player amongst our you know our friendship group and I, I pointed him in the direction of some tournaments and said look go and try yourself against these guys because then you'll know whether you are actually good he never went down the route unfortunately um, but you know it would have been interesting to see how, how he stacked up got to test yourself against the best haven't you it's the same with uh, traditional sport if you want to call it traditional sports and, and esports it's the same thing you need to test yourself against the best if you if you want to kind of see the level you're at I suppose 100% so let's just touch on Excel then so what what have been the some of the absolute highlights in your time at Excel yeah I think uh, making it into the uh, the LEC I think I mentioned it earlier I think uh, entering that long term partnership with Riot Games and securing the investment I mean it's, it's publicly it's public knowledge that um, the investment required to even just get a slot was was around 10 million quid so it's you know serious money that we're we're playing with there and to be able to secure an investment that allowed us to take an opportunity like that was was the life changing moment was was the best moment in, in my career under XL no doubt about it um, but with that you know entering the big leagues playing you know being the new boys on the block we certainly then came across a lot of struggles as well and it then it then quickly turned into a time of struggle uh post that kind of um celebration period and i feel like we're now coming out the other end of that that time of struggle and we're now starting to compete at a higher level and that's just super rewarding um you know every time we win um in the lec it's not necessarily a a joyful moment it's weirdly like a a relief moment um because i think you 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 hate the losses more than you love the wins um but it's a relief moment that okay we're actually doing things right we're doing things in the right way we're getting better you know the the brand is growing um so yeah i suppose that they're they're the highlights is uh, is every win one of the great things about the esports and gaming industry is that we're not far away ever from the next big game or the next big esport and obviously we've got the the two next gen consoles coming out um later this year hopefully and there's going to be new games coming out over the next decade and the industry is just going to hopefully grow and grow and grow i know it's a bit of an open question but we've asked a few of our guests so it's only right to ask you as well what do you predict for the future of esports? What what are you gonna what are we gonna see over the next few years and over the next decade? I think it's an interesting one because I think, you know, pre the whole uh coronavirus global pandemic, I probably um had a different answer because I think what what I saw happening was this, you know, the online capabilities of esports were were kind of surpassing that of traditional sports. You know, our ability to stream worldwide, etc., was 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 fantastic and and the community the global community that we were creating online was great but i think what you start started to see was um some more localization because i think esports went global before it went local and i think 
in order to really engage the communities, we need more local activations, you know, local places that people can go and enjoy games and local places that people can um, interact with the competitive uh, side of gaming and and the, the professional esports etc so i think maybe some more local activations maybe even some more physical spaces on um on people's doorsteps to to enjoy gaming i think that we we might be heading down that route i think then during the the the, the global pandemic obviously that put a halt to all of that and it was actually more about how can we connect online and i think that highlighted how important it is that whilst, yes, I still believe we need to move to a model of localization, it's important that we remember that we are, you know, we are a digital industry in nature and and therefore we can be global at any point that we want to. And we shouldn't shut down those, you know, online connections. We shouldn't shut down those barriers. Um, but it doesn't, yeah, also doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing more local, you know, in-person activations as well. That's really interesting you mentioned about having places to go because, I mean, it's easy to forget, isn't it? If you want to play a game, you need to buy a console, then you need to purchase games and other controllers and all that kind of stuff. But I just wanted to touch on Fortnite because obviously Fortnite is a, is a free game to play. Um, and then obviously there's loads of add-ons and stuff as well. Do you think that's the future in terms of games or will there be a place for both titles where you purchase a full price, I suppose, on launch and then you also have different Fortnite models as well? League of Legends and Fortnite are the big two and both of those games are free to play and free to download. So, you know, there's there's, there's a model there clearly that works um, and being able to kind of sell in-game, you know, add-ons and and sort of skins, you know, these these cosmetics in-game, etc. Um, I think that model works clearly. Um, so I think that that, you know, that, that is likely to be the future. I think there are other business models for games that work as well. And, you know, but I do, I do see this idea of you know going and buying the latest game console and going and buying games from your local supermarket i do see that dying out you know i, I don't see that as a um, as a viable method in the future i see the the concept of streaming all of your games and you know or even downloading them for free onto whatever device you have i see that as the future for sure xbox have gone that way with the game pass system and the the new cloud-based service they're going to launch with the with the series x and obviously with google stadia as well that's something they've done very similar where the the physical aspects of the games is is kind of going really but i suppose that's the future but it'll be really interesting to see where the industry goes i'm obviously excited about where it's going to go and i'm, I'm sure you are too Kieran being involved in the industry seeing the next big game it's hard to predict what it's going to be because it could be anything that's the, that's the beauty of the, this industry it's super exciting and you know we're, we're here for the ride <laughs> nice one thank you so much Kieran for coming on it's been fascinating to talk to you congratulations on all your success so far and I wish you all the success in the future thanks very much it's been a pleasure pleasure chatting about uh, the industry with you thank you thanks Kieran Thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon. 